Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. What's up, Building Us listeners? Thankfully, it is a new year. It's a chance to add some newness to life. As we climb out from under the hell of 2020, Matt and I really want to bring you a special series of shows. It's a chance to consider what the next normal will look like in your home, in your finances, your work, your spirituality, your health. It's not the new normal, it's the next normal. It's a commitment to the next great thing in your life, despite uncertainty. And let's face it, uncertainty is both scary and exciting, and we want you to embrace it. We want you to reassume captaincy. You are the captain of your ship, you're the author, you hold the pen. 2021, this is the next normal, the next normal of investing in your relationships. Welcome back to the Building Us podcast, a show all about the power of relationships. It is a new year, thank God, and this is a series that we are calling The Next Normal, a series in which we discuss various ways that you grab back your life and take back control of of uh, what feels like an out-of-control year for, for 2020. Hey, I'm Dr. Matt Morris, family therapist, couples counselor, joined by my friend, colleague, and uh, and financial guru, Eric Garcia, financial planner. Guru. That's a good. Hey, that's Eric. actually a good term for today's topic. Guru. A guru. You are <laughs> the you're the 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 guru of finances. How's yeah. it going? It's going well. It's going well. I'm I'm glad for for the new year. I'm enjoying this um this next normal uh, series here as we talk about kind of taking back charge over real important areas of our life. Uh, 2020 dictated so much to us. And I think sometimes we, we've talked about this where we we kind of gave into this, oh, it's 2020 again. And and we forgot that we do have a decent amount of um, of agency or autonomy to, to, to control certain things. Obviously, we're dealt certain hands, but how we play them um, has a strong impact. Um, and I know like in the middle of crisis, and this is your field. So we look at like Maslow, what is it? Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs. Is that, yes, that's kind of a counseling thing, right? Close enough. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. fundamental issues that all mankind deals with, um, regardless of race, regardless of religion. It's, I, I need to preserve my physical life, those physiological needs. I need food and water and basic shelter. necessities, life necessities. And I think that um, outside of that, I think that there's some other issues that that mankind generally struggles with. And as you as you kind of move up in that hierarchy, we start to look at uh, really kind of deep questions that I think many people ask, particularly in the in the midst of, of crisis. Questions like origin, where did I come from? That helps us understand our nature, helps us understand our character. We ask questions about morality and trying to understand good and and evil and uh, where, where does this idea of morality come from? You know, I talk about good and bad things you should do with money. You talk about good and bad things people should do in in marriage. Uh, questions of meaning. It goes back to this question of purpose. Uh, what's the meaning of suffering? What's the meaning of life? Why am I here? Uh, and then finally, destination. Like when all this is over, where do I go? Where what happens? Sounds like you're going going? deep today, man. We are going deep. And to go deep, we have a very special guest. I'm going to let you uh, introduce your friend uh, to us here, Matt. Yes, we we do have indeed a very special guest. Um, Friend of mine, a a former colleague of mine from the University of Holy Cross, Sister Rochelle Perrier is here. She's a member of the Marianites of Holy Cross. Uh, she's been a religious sister for 55 years. Uh, she's got lots of degrees and tons of experience. She is a wonderful uh, spiritual leader, guide, and director. Sister Rochelle, welcome, and take just a minute to introduce yourself to our audience. 
Well, with that introduction, Matt, uh, I'd like to just say I am a native New Orleanian. I yes. was born here. And uh, yeah, 55 years, it's hard to believe. You know, most of my life was spent in what you, some people call the nunnery. So uh, yeah, um, I'm- where, uh, where was the nunnery in New Orleans? Where, where was that? <laughs> Would you believe where I entered was where University of Holy Cross is now. Really? It was, it was what we called our provincial house. And this was in 1964, I entered there. Mm -hmm. Went through the first open spot where the, the initial entrance was facing Woodland. Yeah. And uh, I was 17 years old, two weeks prior to my 18th birthday. And I remember going in looking like a regular 17-year-old and coming out within hours if not less, in this black garb. My hair was still showing at that time, but talk about a transition. Yeah. It was walking I, into uh, a, a new world. Well, not to steal your story, but I have a story about that woodland entrance of, of Holy Cross. Also, when I was uh, hired as a professor there, I drove down to look at the university and um, my family were with me. So we decided what we would do is take a picture out in front of that entrance on, on Woodland. There's a big circle drive there. We were standing in the circle drive. Okay. Well, lo and behold, we didn't have anybody to take the, we didn't have anyone to take the picture. Everyone wanted to be in the picture. And a nice lady came out the, the door and said, Hey, I see you're trying to take a picture. Would you like me to take the picture for you? And we thought, Oh, that's These people at Holy Cross are nice. This is great. <laughs> And uh, she, she stood out in the lawn there and, and took a picture. We still have it. And then uh, we introduced ourselves to her, and she introduced herself to, to, to us, and she called herself Sister Something. <laughs> and I had no idea what she was talking about. And <laughs> come to find out, it was a plain-clothed nun, uh, one of the first nuns, I met, the first nun I met at Holy Cross, one of the first nuns I'd ever met in my life. And she was so nice and, and so sweet. Um, I don't actually uh, remember her first name. That was our only meeting, but um, it was a great introduction to Holy Cross. Hmm. Undercover. Do you ever get lost? Did you ever get lost in that building, Sister Rochelle? Every time I visited that building, I get lost. Oh, when I first entered, of course. You oh know, a part of the building was the nunnery part. The other hmm. part was the the it was college then was the college entrance, and uh, we entered. One afternoon, the next morning, we started our freshman classes downstairs. Oh. And those were the times when it was basically just the sisters in class. And I think we ended up having maybe two or three doctor's wives who were allowed to come and be in class with us. So it was a double whammy for a new world. Entrance one day into a whole new world. College the next day. Uh, a whole new so, world, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it took me a while to get acclimated into the building. I, when I first started going there and and uh, uh, teaching there, sometimes I couldn't find my classroom. It it felt <laughs> like it feels like Hogwarts uh, from Harry Potter. Like <laughs> the more you walk around, the more the hallways change or something. Not all the not all the halls connect. There's so many courtyards in the building. It it um, but it really is a a special place and has a special feel. And when I started teaching there, there were still nuns living there. That's and right. So some, sometimes you just stumbled upon somebody coming out of their own apartment, mm -hmm. uh, which was an interesting new world for me as well. <laughs> well, we, we brought you on sister Rochelle, and we're so thankful that you're with us to really talk about uh, spirituality and spiritual practices uh, that can help us all and propel us all into a better next normal, beginning with 2021, but certainly um, exceeding 2021 and, 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 and staying with us for, for years to come. Uh, we know that 2020 was just a very rough year for, for many people. Um, and when people are in crises, it's typical that they will turn toward their spiritual practices, whatever those might be. I can remember being a, um, a recent graduate at the uni at Virginia Tech University when the Virginia Tech school shooting happened and 33 people were killed, 32 people were killed. 
And that night, you know, after that terrible, terrible tragedy happened one morning, that night, every religious center in town, every religious center on campus was filled. It's not uncommon that when people, when there's, when there's terrible circumstances, people turn towards spiritual practices. Why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that in dark times, uh, we have a tendency to reach for something deeper? Uh, I believe that uh, during these times, we become aware of our loss of control of our lives, our powerlessness, and we realize that we're not in charge. We realize that we're not in charge. And what it reminds me of is the first step in the AA process. Yeah. We realize that we are powerless. And we know that there's something out there or someone out there that is greater than we are. Whoever that person is, whether it be God or whatever we name that person. But it's like a, just a total loss of control, you know. Your, your world has been changed. And, uh, and of course, running to the sacred spaces, churches, synagogues, or whatever, it's, we need to come together. You know, the sense of, I can't be in this alone. I have to be with someone. Someone who is feeling the same thing that I feel. Um, I mean, that's my take on it. You know? Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a, two-part thing there it is a sense of powerlessness and just really feeling the gravity of powerlessness of how much of this i don't have control over and then it is a sense of wanting to be in community with some other people who might be going through something else both of those seem to be part of that drive to go somewhere turn towards our spirituality our spiritual practices mm-hmm. you know in in my virginia tech story um, all of this happened one morning, and by that night, uh, the center of campus was filled with people. Like people had gone to their spiritual places, their spiritual practices, and then people wanted to gather together in mass just to be together. And that was such a that happened night after night after night for several for several nights. Uh, and so that what you're talking there about community really resonates with me. Interestingly, then, you know, so many churches, synagogues, mosques, other religious centers, sacred spaces were closed over part of 2020. People may have wanted to gather, but not been able to gather. I heard one pastor say, you know, we we had to become producers. We went from pastor to producer in a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think... uh, the religious centers, these sacred spaces being in some ways physically inaccessible affected people's spirituality? Well, I think it did because we all need to to look beyond ourselves and know that we're in this together. And how can we be together when it's a time where we have to separate from each other? And I think what it did for me is because I live at a retreat center right now. Um, it was like I had to go, I had to be in this with my God and get in touch with my spiritual life as an individual. But I needed to be connected with other people. But how was I going to do that in a whole different way? Uh, I remember sitting out on uh, the porch of the retreat center and just sitting in nature to try to have some sense, take some sense. And I really think uh, sometimes we had to be about creating our own sacred space. And I think what it, what it did was allow us to get in touch with our own creativity. So if we can't get together physically, how can we do this? How can we do this now? Hence... I learned more about Zoom and Skype than I ever knew before. Um, I was always thank, a, thank God, thank God for Zoom and Skype. That's right, right. You know, and it's like, wow, this is wonderful. And then, you know, for the most part, with it being closed, we had no business. And I was doing some spiritual direction one on one, just like you do with the counseling. 
And I said, well, how am I going to do this? Probably nobody's going to want to do this, you know. Well, they did want to do it. And they wanted to do it because that's when they needed it the most. So not only did I, but my directees had to work on learning the technology part of it. So I'm sure they got their relatives who were the young ones to help them with it. And uh, so we got together on Zoom. And I don't think I lost any of my directees then. It's like they all wanted to connect, you know, and this is and I I was glad about that because I found doing it on phone, not seeing people was not going to be good. I need to see people. I need to see, you know, they can tell me all they want. They're happy and they're doing well, but their faces had to tell me that. So um, it was important for me and it was important to them. And it's only in the last maybe two months that a couple of them have started coming back to me in person because we knew we could do it, you know, socially distant uh, and we had space enough. But um, they tapped into their own spirituality mm-hmm. and began. we began to talk about, well, you can't go to church, but how can you connect? And of course, thank God, a lot of the churches or synagogues were streaming their services, you know, and still do. Because many of the churches, or synagogue, I don't know about the synagogues, but some of our Catholic churches for sure um, only can come back, come back with a few people. Uh, and many, many people feel compromised health-wise. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think, that, and I, I do believe people got in touch with more how important community is, you know, and, and they, missed, they missed that aspect. It's like uh, you, you mentioned living at a retreat center. I, I imagine not everybody feels like they live at a retreat center or felt like they lived at a retreat no. center over over the last year. Uh, but but many people found um, ways to retreat even in their own home. Um, you talk, you're talking about individual spiritual practice of connecting with your God, but then also needing to connect with people and and using technology as a way to do that how so many people figured that out successfully uh over the last year that's interesting several of our conversations on the podcast particularly in the the summer of 2020 into the fall uh revolved around how covid changed your business whoever whomever our guest may have been um how covid affected the business we we were calling this the covid pivot how the business had to pivot during to adjust to COVID and the rules of, of COVID. Uh, you mentioned that you lead retreats and living a re, at a retreat center. How did, how did you all pivot uh, successfully or unsuccessfully in, in response to COVID? Well, for many months, we were totally shut down. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, first of all, people were trying to deal with their lives and they certainly didn't have money to come on retreat. You know, it's like the thing that they, they needed most was the thing they probably didn't have the money to put into at that time. And I think they were in the midst of their chaos. And um, at that time, nobody was able to open up, you know, businesses and so forth. So it was months, months later that we began to, uh, one of the things that we did, and, and of course, we now have an executive director who's a young woman who's much more techie than us oldies there, um, knew how to work on uh, getting us to do uh, in a virtual retreat. And several of us, uh, there's the priest who lives on, on, on the campus, who's a retired priest, but gives, does retreats. Uh, I gave a talk and we had a couple of other people. We, there were six of us who, uh, taped ourselves, and uh, that was an experience. I had never done that before. Uh, to we each had what our theme was: um, how do we be joyful in the midst of this time of adversity? So we each took an aspect of that and developed it into a five-day retreat. And we each had like thirty minutes to give a talk. So that was the first thing we did, and put it on our. Uh, retreat website. So we did, we did that. Um, and, um, actually it was kind of 
you know, we did more planning. Very few people came into the retreat center. Another sister and myself live here. So we, you know, it was kind of eerie. We were here in this big place, you know, but I felt uh, very blessed because I had the beauty of this retreat and, and we're right there on the lake, Lake Pontchartrain. So you go over the levee and there you are. So you had all the space to walk. So I, I really got in touch with nature and almost felt guilty for having that space. Mm-hmm. And I had to, God and I talked about, I'm an extrovert. So it was very difficult for me to be, I said, you know, God, I didn't, you didn't call me to be a cloistered nun. You called me to be a sister who was out there with the people. Um, but now I seem to be being called to more an interior life and more spiritual life, which is interesting for me, you know, because I've given talks before. I was a teacher before. I was always in front of a, a group. Uh, but, th- but this this ministry that I'm involved in now with one-on-one is very different for me. And and in my role, it's as, as a listener. So what I had to do is sit quietly and actually do what I, I tell other people to do. Spend time in prayer. Well, I certainly had time to pray. <laughs> and I kept saying to God, okay, I'm here. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. Uh, so, yeah. So that's how I spent my time. And then almost feeling guilty because I had this time where other people are cooped up in small houses in apartments, uh, and even some of our sisters in some of the assisted living places now, because they were confined to their rooms, where I could walk all over the retreat center outside. Yeah. So it was a challenge. challenge. You mentioned you mentioned about the the talk that you you know put together that you taped uh, this mm-hmm. idea of joyfulness in the midst of adversity, and it made me think of um, of something that. Ignatius said, and we were talking, we were talking before record that recorded that I attend a, uh, an annual silent retreat. It's an Ignatian retreat, uh, Manresa. A lot of, a lot of people in New Orleans will be familiar with Manresa. And there's something that Ignatius, I think Ignatian said it or, or said it somehow that, uh, a big part of what he talked about was gratitude. Yes. And he said that you can't be grateful. And I don't know if he said grateful and anxious at the same time, like the two, just don't happen. I think I actually do think there's some science behind that as well. But talk a little bit about that, like being grateful in the in the midst of or joyful in the midst of adversity. Um, yeah, talk a little yeah. bit about that. Well, that was one thing was a part of my talk was what am I grateful for? You know, in the midst of this. Well, I was grateful because I had I was at a retreat center. You know, I had the space. Um, I was able to connect with people by phone. Um, I was able to spend more time in prayer, you know, um, and learning how to really sit and listen. Uh, being out in nature was very healing. And I noticed that some of the neighbors around here often would come on the property just to walk, even though it says property, property, uh, came to walk. And, and I saw many saying their rosary. Um, many of them were just sitting, enjoying uh, the beauty of nature. Um, so, yes, Ignatius talks about that. And he also talks about the principle and foundation of any prayer is that you're in touch with the love of God, God's love for you, and to be grateful for that. And, you know, uh, one of the things I like to, to connect with is there's a website called gratefulness.org. And it really is uh, started by another monk. But what he does is there's a daily reflection every day from people of all faiths, all nationalities. It's just a a wonderful uh, quote to get you started in the day. And that would be one of the spiritual practices I would say to people. Connect. You can get it for free. Gratefulness.org. And uh, and then they offer different kind of things like during during the uh, pandemic, they offered some free uh, webinars or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, gratitude is very important, although because of my my personality, I can be grateful, but I can also be anxious. <laughs> so I have to work on that. So it's not it's, it's, almost it's, like, not, it's almost like it's, a second by second thing. Right? It's not it's not either or. 
it's both and. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do love that about Ignatian spirituality, where there's this idea of, of gratefulness and also this recognition that I am loved, that I am important, I am valued, um, and I am loved, and therefore that's kind of the foundation to to begin to be grateful. You know, we're, we're talking broadly about spirituality, um, and, and we're also talking about religion. Talk a little bit how how is spirituality different from religion? How is it connected to religion? Are we talking about the same thing here? Well, I think, Eric, you started talking about spirituality in your initial introduction when you talked about spirituality is about finding meaning and purpose in life. And I think our human spirit, see, I think I believe we're made of mind, body and spirit. Right. So we need to feed all three. It's it's good to feed the physical body. It's wonderful to, uh, you know, feed the mind, body, and spirit, and the mind by education. But the spirit needs to be filled from something deep within. And I do believe that there's a divine quality, a divine spirit within each of us that keeps us alive and keeps us going. And everybody seeks their purpose for that. So spirituality for me is developing a relationship with whoever that divine is and connecting it with, with God. It's knowing, it's knowing that you're loved. It's knowing that you're connected with others. Religion by, by the Latin root word of that means to be bound. And religion is, is institutional in that you're bound to beliefs and ideas and rituals. And all of these are good, but those are external. If our rituals and our, our beliefs do not deepen us to go to our interior, then that, that is a disconnect there. Religion should bring us deeper into spirituality. I said should because it always doesn't. And I believe spirituality is um, more about knowing you know, it, uh, the God or the divine within us. Religion is about knowing about God or the divine. It's different. And, but religion and spirituality certainly can coexist. And then from that, it should bring us to service, to be about connecting with other people uh, out there. It should not just stay with, with me, you know? So, so, um, there is, a, there is a difference. It's yeah. not that they can't coexist. Hopefully they do. But as you and I know, there are many people out there that do connect, do not connect at this time with an organized religion. Yeah, and, you know. You're using a word that Matt uses a lot in, in relationships and it's connection. It's, uh, uh, and right. I think that's, that's interesting. Uh, it's almost... It's almost interesting. You talk about spiritual spirituality is almost like inward, but it's almost like an inward connection to something outside of you. So some some objective reality um, that's outside of you that you're trying to connect to and conform to in some way. Uh, but yet it's 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 ironic that, as Matt was saying, in the midst of crisis, we tend to want to find that objective reality. But yet when things are not necessarily critical, we tend to, to try to bend reality to um, subdue reality to our, our own internal demands or wishes. Um, and mm -hmm. it's like a duality that we kind of go in and out of. I think um, it's about control. Yeah, we can control that. But when we're in the midst of the change of the darkness or whatever, we realize that we're not in control. We have to learn how to let go. And then when we feel like we're back in control, we, we can go back to bending reality to our our whims. Yeah. Hopefully even, we don't do that. Go ahead. Even in this next normal series, Eric, we've been talking about like taking life back by the scruff of the neck, you know, which which yeah. sounds like some level of control over life. And 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 I, I think it's both and I think it's remembering that we ultimately don't have control and yet acting in in our authority in the ways that we do have some semblance of control now, some, some agency now, some, uh, something we can do now, even though ultimately we don't. And right. it, it's, it's both hands. It's both hands. 
it's living in both of those so is, is, is realities. The agency, is the agency us realizing that, hey, I'm not in control and there's things that I can do regularly to connect so that um, like like Sister Rochelle talked about, I could be in nature more regularly. I can pray more regularly. So that's mm. the control that I have. I don't have control over the environment and what's going to happen next. But I can control, and we talked about this in a lot of our episodes, um, particularly on the one on habits. There, there are certain things that I can, I can do to stay connected, so that um, I can have that that develop my spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of like I, acknowledging I don't have control over an area. Sometimes reminds me of things I can do now to to help. So if I'm if I'm saying like for instance raising children. It reminds you that you don't have control over their futures, over their futures. Uh, who knows how they'll turn out. Um, but today I can go hug them. I can remind them I love them. I can remind them I'm, I'm proud of them in many ways. Um, I can go do a puzzle with them or spend time with them. Um, I sometimes feel really helpless or powerless of, around big issues like, let's say, poverty in in New Orleans or, or hunger in New Orleans or food shortage or something like that. But I can make somebody a meal. So I can acknowledge my powerlessness and in my own spirituality, find something I can do to connect with someone else. Mm-hmm. I think that's a spiritual practice. Yeah, I think so. And I think uh, with Zoom and Skype, uh, it has helped connect families that can't come together like during thanks this past thanksgiving and christmas time when families even within the same that but don't live with each other can't get together zoom has helped them come together and maybe have deeper quality of togetherness than they would have if they were physically together because if they were physically together especially thanksgiving with ball games on and so forth you, you, you can see the setup, who sits in front of the television, who's doing it. But it forces people to have something to really say to each other yeah. when you're on, you're on camera, like I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, what's interesting, what's interesting to me, and, and, and I, love, I love your perspective about this idea that our spirituality should lead us to act. It should lead us to, to do. And again, coming from the, uh, the, having the influence of, of Manresa, um, St. Ignatius was very action oriented. In fact, um, he, he even developed special prayers for his, for his followers so that they can be active and pray while they're, while they're out doing feeding people and, and ministering, um, to people. So on on one hand, we're talking about spirituality as this inward, um, reflective connecting with something outside of us that that's inside of us, if that makes sense. But yet, but yet is very outward, in expression, and it mm-hmm. seems to does that contradict? How does that complement? Does it complement itself? Yeah, I think it's you know we're called to reflect and, and meditate, so that when we go to action and when we go to service, we're bringing someone higher than ourselves there, not our egos. You know, um, someone once said, "Our egos die long after we're dead." You know, uh, so we're always going to have, I mean, there's the good ego. I mean, we have to have an ego. We got to know that we can do something. We can be that we, you know, God created us or whoever created you, however you see that, um, that that's important. And that's part of our whole development in the first half of life. But it doesn't sustain us in the second half of life. In the second half of life, we're looking at different ways to keep going. Um, and, um, and, and that changes for people, you know, that changes for people. So what I like to consider my life as, is I'm a contemplative in action that I, I contemplate, I pray so that my actions are going to be more about the God who, who created me than me. It's not about me, Mm. you know, but as I'm out there doing that activity or that ministry or whatever I'm doing. I see the sadness, I see the sorrow that's taking place, especially in our world today. It calls me back to prayer and in touch with those things that I can't do without my my spirit. 
leading me. And I think that's important. Why do you think? Why do you think that there are some people? You know, you, uh, you you said that when you see that poverty or that that pain or suffering, which is a which is a a a shared human experience, it drives you back to your spirituality. But for so many, it drives them away from their spirituality. Because I think they get so overwhelmed that, um, or maybe they just don't care. I don't know. I don't know. It, I think it has, to, you have to have a spirituality to begin with, to even be aware and even care about what's happening out there. You know, I mean, I think throughout this last year, we've seen the process of how people, especially in America, have been so individualistic how it's affecting me, but not the common good, not the common good. We belong to humankind. We belong to the whole universe. And, and what, what, when somebody else suffers, we suffer, or we should suffer. We should suffer in the sense of feeling their pain and wanting to help do something about it. A compa compassion, compassion. Having, mm -hmm. having a feeling alongside them. Yeah. Shifting, shifting just a little bit, meaning uh, talking forward a little bit into this into this newer newer year. Now, um, you know, many of our listeners probably do have faith faith traditions, and and some I'm sh I assume don't have any faith tradition or or, or faith affiliation. Uh, but you know, the new year is upon us. Twenty twenty one is here. As we move through this year, what encouragement do you have for all of us in terms of accessing and using and leveraging our spirituality this year? Well, I, I think there are many things that we can do. You know, um, I think I think first of all, we have to uh, allow ourselves to be in a, a in a a position of listening to what the spirit within and among us tells us in terms of practices, you know, uh, are we moving to practices now a little bit of what we need to do? Uh, I think one of the things that I thought, and I, I saw this YouTube uh, kind of like in the middle of this, have you seen it? Um, it's called hindsight 2020. It's not, not yet, but I'll look it up. I'm telling you, it's wonderful. It's a young man, it's a man talking to his son and you see the son, he has an English accent and the son is going to bed and he wants his dad to tell him the story. And the, the dad tells him the story of what happens in this pandemic and how life has to, how that should affect us. And one of the things that um, I think I think it does is help us to reflect on what has life been for you during this time in reflecting. And I, th I think it's a wonderful kind of thing. I'm trying to look, I had my notes on, on this. I wanted to say something about that. Um, I think the one thing we need to do is to reflect on how, how, how have we been during this pan, pan, past pandemic time? What feelings have uh, those evoked in you? How have your beliefs or your values been uh, challenged or or changed, and what what do you what do you learn what what have you learned during this time about yourself, about your own values? What needs to change in your life? What do you need to change? How do you want to live differently in twenty twenty one? And when people say, "I can't wait to go back to how it was." That's kind of scares me a little bit because how it was is we're in the height or we have been in, in, in inequality. The whole racial scene has come up, uh, raised its ugly head. Poverty is growing. And I, what can we do to change that? What will the new normal be? And how will we, after reflecting on our life, how will we change things? How will we change ourselves? How will we change others? And how can we make this world a better world? I love the connection of uh, personal spirituality to 
the community. And I think that's something that oftentimes in the West, I think we miss. I think we miss that in the West that you talked about individuality where where there's great things about individuality for sure, about freedoms that we have, absolutely. But there's this responsibility to to the community. Uh, and, I, and I love that connection that you're making between spirituality, personal spirituality, that almost me taking time to uh, maybe borrow a term from from somewhere else, like work on myself, if you will, to develop myself, to become more aware of myself. The the work really isn't to become better for the sake of becoming better. It's it, the work is becoming better for the sake of a greater purpose that that I might be called to. Mm-hmm. And you talk a lot about you you talked a lot about reflection. And that's one thing that I'm so appreciative of all the retreats that I've gone on. They're 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 you know it's two and a half days of silence to reflect, to look back on experiences and relationships and values and is there an alignment between how I'm living with with what I value? Uh, I talk about that when we talk about money with clients. Are you aligning what you do with your money, with your values? And the only way you can come to some conclusion is by taking time to reflect. Our world is so busy though, Sister Rochelle. There's so much noise. How how do we how do we do that? How do we reflect without the persistent distraction of of life? Or or without becoming a cloistered person. <laughs> Well, I think silence is the important thing. You know, one of the spiritual writers talks about uh, that silence is the first language of God. Mm. You know, in, in, in before the world was created, it was quiet. You know, God spoke and, and creation took place. But, you know, even, you know, those of us who believe in a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, it's a sense of community, you know. God is 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 a communal God, you know. Uh, and various people have different ideas about that. But community, really, I mean, we're not in this world to live by ourselves. And even hermits or people who live a cloistered life only are called to that to be there as prayers, as uh, instruments of of connecting and praying for those outside you know it's not it's not it's it's a both and thing you're not a you're not a solitary just because you want to be a better person you're a better person in relationship you know to others and uh but i find even amongst my directees it's very difficult for them to find a quiet time or even to be quiet, even to be quiet. You know, because there's a sign. You know, the, uh, the, our Buddhist brothers and sisters refer to monkey brain. You know, the brain is always thinking, always thinking. And, you know, for the, our Buddhist friends, they talk about mindfulness, you know, being quiet and still and, and sit for hours. And I had, uh, I was a chaplain with a Buddhist friend, uh, for a couple of years, and we would share how we pray or sit or whatever. And and one time I was in a group with her, and she really flew off the handle for something. And I told her after, I said, hey, what happened to my Buddhist friend who sits in quiet and all? She says, why do you think I do that? Why do you think I sit so that I don't explode most of the time, that I, I'm centered and then I know how to be quiet, she said. But uh, it, it really threw me off. It was I, we were in a group sharing something, and something ticked her off. And I mean, she just went, went wild. And uh, so we had a long talk about that. But you know, we as Christians or people of faith believe that there is such a thing as sitting in quiet and listening to what God is saying to us. And when we do that quietly, then we begin to be more aware of how God is speaking to us in our everyday lives. I don't know if it's coincidental or if it was intentional, but uh, silence and listen right. have the same letters in them. There's, so there's a little sign at Manresa when you're walking into the <laughs> dining room and it, it, it kind of reminds you silent and listen are made up of the same letters. And you, it's like, wow, it's, that's fascinating. That's right. 
And, you know, the word retreat, it's just a time for you to get quiet, get away from the busyness. You know, people retreat from many things. But if you retreat to go away, to be quiet so that you can better go back into what you're going into. That's the whole point, huh? To match right. our deeds with our, to, yeah, to match our deeds with our creeds. We think you know? of retreat in, in terms of like battle, like I'm giving up. And, and in right. reality, it's, it's more of a, um, of a, of a pullback to regroup, to assess kind of the current state of affairs yeah. so that you can re-engage the, the battle, if you will. So it's refueling. Exactly. It's refueling yeah. yourself, renewing. Yeah. You know, I talked to lots of families uh, over 2020, particularly like in May and June and July of 2020, that were kind of in this forced retreat now mm-hmm. that they, they, you know, it was forced initially in March where, where you had to stay home or, or things shut down. So there was a kind of, of forced um, isolation that happened, but pretty soon people recognized that that was an opportunity for retreat. And that they started enjoying the the slower pace, the quieter time, the time for um, reflecting, the time for being outside. So many of the things that you're saying, Sister Rochelle, about spirituality begins with reflecting and turning inward and being being quiet and reflecting. Seems really apropos right now, at the beginning of this year, is that we re- we take time to reflect upon. What did we enjoy about last year? What what worked for us? What helped us? What what did settle us down? Um, what what do we miss about May and June that we want to add to our our next normal moving forward? And I really like that idea of spirituality or or kind of a, a beginning step of spirituality being um, what what. Not not just running away from 2020, but what do I want to take from 2020 into my life moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what are just some of these additional easy spiritual practices that all of us can can use and and begin to use and engage in? I mean, you're talking about silence and and meditation, retreat. What else comes to mind? Well, I think. Um... Sometimes just sitting quietly and getting in touch with our breath, you know, the breath of life or for many, the breath of God in us, you know, God's breath in us. Um, and one of the one of those uh, kind of spiritual practice that I encourage people to do, especially when they feel anxious and uh, especially when I feel anxious, I sit and I close my eyes and I just take in my breath. And as I'm taking in my breath, I'm thinking, I'm taking in God's love for me and all that is good. When I release my breath, I let go of anything that is not of God or that is not of love. And I just sit with that. If there's nothing else going on in my mind, I just do that. Take That's a prayer in itself. It's a, it's, it's healthy. You know, uh, I think yoga teachers do teach that Uh, it's not just uh, a a religious thing Uh, that. So that's that's one that that can also be a quieting down to lead you into a prayer Mm -hmm. where you read your sacred text, whatever text that is, the Bible, the Torah, the Quran whatever your sacred text is, where you begin to read it with an open-minded heart and to listen to what words what words jump off the page at you and sit with that for a while. So the breath prayer can be either a lead-in to prayer or it can be a prayer in itself. And um, spending time in nature. I, I, I know a lot of people who were out and about when the weather was good. And, and that was one of the few times you had to wear a mask if you were away from people. You know, uh, many people rode bikes. Uh, when I went over the levee to walk, you there were a lot of people out there, you know, because there's something about being in nature that grounds us. What else? To, to add to that, 
Um, and this is not for everybody or all the time, but moving, moving in nature. I mean, it's important to sit still. It's a, it is important to sit still, but physiologically, sometimes if we're moving, it doesn't have to be vigorous, but sometimes can be more vigorous will help us ground ourselves and center mm -hmm. ourselves. So if we go and do a little bit of movement, That's uh, right. then it may be easier to sit and, and be still and, and combining both of those things and, and then doing it outside getting the benefit of sunshine and fresh air and oxygen and sure. beauty. Uh, you know, one of the Marianite words is, is beauty. And I, I really hadn't been familiar with that until I, until I taught at a Marianite school, but truth, goodness, and beauty. I always thought, wow, beauty is really uh, unappreciated. If you go outside, there's beauty everywhere. Right. So just, just getting in touch with things that are beautiful, I think is a spiritual practice as well. Sure. And, you know, many people are, uh, uh, are inspired through music, you know, sacred music, whether it be uh, ancient sacred music or whether it's contemporary spiritual music. Uh, one of the contemporary uh, songwriters and singers that I like is Michael W. Smith. He has wonderful uh, Christian music and he has something about breath. And I, I like that song. It's a, it's a good song. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, sacred music always is that those people who like to listen to Gregorian chant, they may not know what they're saying or reading. It's Latin, but it's a soothing kind of a prayer. So, you know, whatever, whatever give, boosts your spirits, you know, and when you were talking, uh, Matt, about being move, movement, that whole thing that's important is the uh, importance of uh you know, uh, getting those endorphins in our body that gives you that joy yeah. from, through your body. So lots of things. You, not everybody uh, has had a good spiritual experience over the last several months. Um, I know people that have felt really alone, felt really isolated, have, have wondered where God is, has, has felt like they've tried to tap into their spirituality without much success. Uh, for those who are spiritually discouraged and are and have been struggling, uh, what advice would you would you give those? Be patient with yourself. Hmm. If you're a person who is a churchgoer, reconnect with your community. If you're not, reconnect with your support systems, people around you, hmm. um, and 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 take time doesn't have to be a long span of time, but it's time to just reflect on life and how you want to make 2021 with what power you do have to control things. How do you want to live that life? And to, to read inspirational things, you know, things that lift you up uh, and limit the news that you watch. Amen. You, you can watch a lot of news. I know I got to a point where I just had to stop and say, all right, enough already. You know, um, I get it. I know what's happening. I don't like it. You know, so and lift that up to God. Lift that up to God or your spiritual power. You know, um, you talked about patience and waiting for those who feel discouraged um, or struggling with their spirituality. And I think that's a, I think that's part of the human experience. I mean, we forget that um, suffering is part of being human. God suffered, you know, coming from the Christian faith, God, you know, the, God sent uh, Jesus suffered on the cross and out of tragedy, you know, we believe there was great triumph. So I think that uh, just because we have uh, struggles or trials, we shouldn't run from them. And we should remember that even in the Christian scriptures, we're reminded that, hey, it's going to be hard. Um, there was a, uh, I forget who said it, but uh, it was God made no promises about our circumstantial comfort. Hmm. Uh, that that discomfort is is part of the human experience. And uh, what, a, what a gift it is to be able to connect to that. Uh, uh, to the reality of a God who who dwells in us, that moves us to serve others and to serve our community. Uh, I'm reminded just in this conversation, I'm reminded 
by what St. Augustine said. He, I think it's something along the lines of, uh, Lord, you made us for you and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that's something that I, I always remind myself of uh, in times of, of restlessness, that my heart's going to consistently be restless until I rest in that truth of, of God and that purpose for what he's called me for. Uh, this was great conversation. We're really, I know Matt and I are super appreciative of you um, taking time, you know, relationships are very important for us. We talk about relationships to our community. Uh, we don't jump into the spiritual regularly, even though Matt and I, um, are spiritual individuals. We don't talk often about our relationship to, to, to God. So this is a, a first for us. And we just appreciate you coming on and, uh, talking about that. I, I do talk about, uh, maybe not so publicly all the time, but I'll, you know, when I talk about money and conversations about money, the spiritual side of money, Many people don't realize that materialism and money and wealth is talked about more often in um, the, the the Bible than love and faith, which is kind of crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. So I look at money sometimes from a spiritual per- perspective. Uh, if, if there's any parting words, anything that anything that you want our listeners to to say, hey, this is the one takeaway from our conversation. What what, what would it be? Well, I think whatever. If you had or had a spiritual practice, be faithful to it. Be faithful to whatever your spiritual practice is. It's a discipline like anything else. You know, we do physical exercise. We do mind exercises. We need to feed our spirit. Find a space, a sacred space and a time and be faithful to it whether in season or out of season, as scripture says, because it's about connection with the higher power, God, whoever that is for you. And that can help you with your relationships. And I know, Matt, you deal with couples. Eric, you deal with couples. If they don't have their own spiritual practice, then it's very hard to keep connected. You know, so I think that's what I would like to leave with people. That's great. Matt, any any parting thoughts? Well, Sister Rochelle was just saying, reminding us all to return, return to our our practices. Um I I want to return back to something that we were talking about earlier about um the, the taking the advantage of reflecting in really difficult times that thankfully life doesn't throw us really difficult times all the time. And so I sometimes hear myself telling clients as they're going through something really, really hard to take the time, take time to get to know themselves in the midst of that struggle. Who, what are you learning about yourself? in this awful time? What is this awful time teaching you about you? And I think that we can all apply that to our life uh, over the past year. What did, what did we learn? What did we learn about ourselves? Man, we, we, it was a, it was a crazy, crappy, terrible year. uh, And it wasn't so bad in some ways. I was asking one of my kids the other day, how they're, how they're doing in school and school could not be crazier this year. It could mm-hmm. not be crazier. And my kids said, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. So just remind, I, I guess what I'm saying is refl- we rarely get a time to reflect on ourselves at the worst of times. And so maybe this year has presented that opportunity to us to just, to just think about what do we learn about ourselves in this difficult time? Awesome. And, and I know that, um, when you make time for your spirituality, it is, it is, uh, time well spent. It is definitely an investment, not just in yourself, but as we've been talking about, um, our spirituality should move us to action. It's, it's an investment in your relationships. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana.
The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.